Maybe Russians are the most wise, but also the most depressed of us all. Welcome, my Mere Mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but I also do this one where we dive deeper into the books that we are reading, reviewing them, and getting out the juicy information contained within the themes, some stuff to reflect upon, and maybe even learning a little bit about Russian culture, which is what we do today. We have great stories by Chekhov, written by Anton Chekhov, although this translation was done by Constance Garnett. So this series of collections was mostly written in the 1890s and it's about 215 pages in length which uh, will take you probably about four hours to read. It's an anthology of seven so if I go to the front here we have Misery, A Father, A Problem, Ward Number 6, In Exile, My Life, My, my Life, The Story of a Provincial and Peasants. <laughs> so there's a fair few of them in there and these all showcase Russian life from that time period. So it's very realistic sort of stories. Mostly we're going to learn about kind of unpleasant things, poor and hungry people, the cold, drunk people, kind of strained family relations, abused and taken advantage of people. Uh, There's a lot of misery and suffering contained within this, which is fairly typical of, of Russian writing, to be honest. So why they chose these seven in particular, because uh, Chekhov has had a very huge storied, um, I guess, collection, bibliography. They have written at the start here, in this new Dover anthology, the seven tales selected reveal the depth of the great Russian author's sympathy for and exasperation with a broad range of Russian types. And then it goes on to list some of these types and in particular what each story roughly is, is talking about. So... From what I could tell, there was no real reason per se, uh, albeit the way that it was collected was focusing, I suppose, half on very short stories and half on novellas. So, yeah, talking about the author and, you know, this, he was kind of the father, I guess you would say, of short stories, or so, so I've been told and so Wikipedia tells me. And the reason for this was because he, you know, took the the plunge and wrote in a very unique style, uncommon for its day, what in particular this was and how it differed from what came before it. I can't particularly say, but we, we are going over some of it here. So perhaps we'll learn along the way. And these were written in the later part of his very short life as well. So Uh, As a typical Russian, you know, he died at the age of 44 from tuberculosis, uh, had a very rough um, childhood, rough upbringing, and in general, just rough life. Uh, I believe he married a couple of times as well. So obviously his relations weren't rock steady throughout his life as well. But, um, you know, he captures a lot of, of that within these books. And so, What is the first theme today? Was there any ever doubt? It's misery. Why do Russians obsess over it? (laughs) So I guess there's no question this would be kind of the main theme. And there seems to be a a reason for this, which is harsh lives and conditions. So I'm going to jump right here to page 209, which was one of the novellas. So this was from uh, Peasants. And... I, there's this passage here which I, I thought just captures, I guess, the, the harshness. So we have, 
Only the well-to-do peasants were afraid of death. The richer they grew, the less they believed in God, and in the salvation of the soul, and only through the fear of their earthly end did they light candles and have masses said, in order to be on the safe side. The poorer peasants did not fear death. The old man and granny were too, were told to their faces that they had lived too long, that it was time they were dead, and they did not mind. Yeesh. They did not scruple to tell Fjolka in Nikolai's presence that when Nikolai died, her husband Dennis would be discharged from the army and returned home. And Maya, far from de- uh, dreading death, regretted that it was so long in coming and was glad when her children died. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty rough. And so that was from a sequence where this family came uh, came back from the Russian capital of Moscow to their kind of family home or to the Nikolai's family home. Uh, who were peasants in this small town and it was just, you know, abuse, degradation, drunkenness, uh, people dying left, right and center, you know, granny being tyrannical, whipping children. Like it was just a very unpleasant situation to be in. And uh, this this lady um, is reflecting on her leaving with her daughter once, once their husband dies and, and going back to the city. Now... I guess the question is why? Why is there so much misery in Russia and why do they seem to talk about it so a lot? Um, and for me, I think it's kind of can be explained by first the cold and then it's ingrained into them. So it almost seemed like from all of these stories, the colder the story was, like the the colder the place, the more misery there seemed to be emanating from it. And so one of these stories, which was called ding, 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 I believe it was In Exile, which is only 10 pages long, so a very short one, uh, was talking about some ferrymen and they, they were one of them was exiled and um, they, they're all living in kind of Siberia. And this is where Siberia is kind of the worst of the worst I, is, is how I would put it. And so they're living in this like little shack, 10 of them or a bunch of them all together. And he, he's just explaining how from like, one to the next, all of them are, are, are talking like just how shit their lives are, how this this guy who moved out there into Siberia with his wife, she was, wasn't prepared for the harshness of the life out there, the coldness. She eventually ran away and he's been trying to, you know, get her back ever since. And then his daughter was dying and he's been going to hundreds of doctors to try and cure her. And it's just like, it keeps it keep on going and going. And the only like nice parts of the stories seem to be, funnily enough, when they're in nicer conditions, when they go to the countryside and it's kind of like the spring or summer and it's, you know, not frozen ground and not people dying left, right and center from the cold or from, you know, insert your disease into here. So the this seems to result in the, in the peasant, um, which is the... I guess the personification of of just maybe hundreds or thousands of years of just cold, harsh conditions and and turning into I guess what yeah the peasant and the peasant mindset. So from the same story, we jump forward a couple of pages to two twelve to thirteen, and we talk about uh, here what the the peasant is. So. The peasant, yes, to live with them was terrible, but yet they were human beings. They suffered and wept like human beings, and there was nothing in their lives for which one could not find justification. Crushing labor that made the whole body ache at night, cruel winters, scanty crops, overcrowding, and no help, and nowhere to look for help. 
those who were stronger and better off could give no assistance, as they were themselves coarse, dishonest, drunken, and swore just as foully. The most insignificant little clerk or official treated the peasants as though they were tramps, and addressed even the village elders and church wardens as, as inferiors, and as though they had the right to do so. And indeed, can any sort of help or good example be given to lazy, grasping, greedy, dissolute men who only visit the village in order to outrage, to despoil, to terrorize? So this is where I guess we get into how they've been transformed um, and it it does seem like if I had to guess there's there's something about the coldness that that forms this mindset that you that you need to kind of have this this mindset and of of kind of just being fascinated with misery or or maybe misery just results from being in the cold <laughs> I, I certainly agree with that I bloody hate the cold and this this kind of transforms the personality of these people so uh, this isn't just from this book as well I, I feel there's basically every other Russian author that I've read so this is yeah, um, Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago I don't think that needs much explanation of the misery that go, went on there most Dostoyevsky books seem to involve this sort of misery and in characters who are deeply troubled Tolstoy maybe less so and then this is where I would even say Tolstoy's uh, surroundings the the people in them they do seem to be in from what I can remember of the short stories and of um, Anna Karenina Anna Karenina I believe is how you say that uh, uh, and to a lesser extent war and peace you know the the environments they were in, I think, were kind of more brighter and sunnier. They weren't as deep in the Siberian wilderness and coldness as as most of the ones in this um, collection of stories by Chekhov was. So, yeah, I don't know. If there was Russians and they came to Australia and they lived in Australia for a couple of generations, would they still have this deep fascination talking about suffering if there was you know you know if you had Chekhov here would he be writing about the the harshness of the Australian desert and the drunken bogans and and things like that or would he would his mood kind of improve and <laughs> is there just less misery to be found when you're in warmer climates I don't know. I, I and and vice versa if you put Australians in into Siberia would we have uh would all of our kind of works of art and our most famous authors be kind of preoccupied with misery perhaps uh, i leave that as a question to you the viewer so um leave me a, a comment or a boostergram or something and uh, i'd love to know that we'll get on to the second theme now which was i think part of the the reason this is so fascinating is cognizance so what can actually be gained from experiencing misery and this is where perhaps uh, I, I really enjoy the Russian authors because I do find that there is something contained within misery that that is that can be insightful, that can provide this cognizance, this understanding. So I do think there is intellect required. As we saw from the kind of passages above, misery on its own doesn't necessarily produce good results. So misery for misery's sake is a bad thing. And... 
I think it also, you kind of need some higher abstract order thinking, which perhaps distinguishes uh, the character I'm going to talk about from the peasants, because those those peasants, you know, they, they didn't have the ability to think. They weren't uh, trained to, in a, um, they weren't educated. They weren't, they perhaps just didn't have the raw IQ power that was necessary to perhaps take um, insights and learnings from, from their misery. But we'll go on to Mikhail Poloznev, Russian names, and his uh, kind of story in my life. And he seems to obtain a lot of insights and compassion from, I guess, experiencing misery. And in this particular case, it's from quite degrading physical labor. So if I jump to page 121... We can see what he says here. And my mood was autumn, autumnal too. Aut- autumnal. Mm. Perhaps because having become a workman, I saw our town, life, our town life only from the seamy side. It was my lot almost every day to make discoveries which reduced me almost to despair. Those are my fellow citizens about whom I had no opinion before or who had externally appeared perfectly decent turned out to me turned out now to be base cruel people capable of any dirty action we common people were deceived cheated and kept waiting for hours together in the cold entry or the kitchen we were insulted and treated with the utmost rudeness in the autumn i papered the reading room and two other rooms at the club i was paid a penny three uh, three farthings the piece, but had to sign a receipt at the rate of two pence halfpenny, and when I refused to do so, a gentleman of benevolent appearance in gold-rimmed spectacles, who must have been one of the club committee, said to me, if you say much more, you blackguard, I'll pound your face into a jelly. And when the flunky whispered to him who I was, the son of Polosnev, the architect, he became embarrassed, turned crimson, but immediately recovered himself and said, devil take him. So, this story was revolving around this guy, Mikhail Polovsnev, who was of the aristocracy. And he purposefully chose not to go into any of the decent, respectable uh, professions. Not from lack of trying. He, his father got him jobs in many a place, six, seven, eight different positions. And all of them were kind of clerk level you know, he wasn't a, a doctor. He wasn't super, super smart, but he, he had enough intellect on him. And yet he he refused to do any of them. He basically felt like his it, it, was, it wasn't true to his kind of nature or his character. And so he started to do the, these, this physical labor. And, and when he experienced what the common man was feeling, he, he started to gain these insights of going like, oh, the people who I used to associate with, those those people who thought they were all high and mighty, and you know, they the reason they had their wealth was because they were better people, they were better than the peasants. No, when you when you start to interact with them from a different point of view, they are just pieces of shit and who will treat other human beings who are lower on the scale than them um, just as badly. There was another example here from page 154 where his wife, uh, Masha, was of this kind of aristocracy and as well, but she didn't have this same mindset of kind of experiencing the misery to to gain these insights. And so, 
She was indignant and there was rancor in there. Uh, sorry, I'll um, skip a little bit back here. So Masha used to often go to the mill and evidently found pleasure in her conversations with Stefan. Stepan. Stepan used the, uh, abused the peasants with such sincerity and conviction and she was attracted to him. Every time she came back from the mill, the feeble-minded peasant who looked after the garden shouted at her, Wench palashka, hala wench palashka, and he would bark like a dog. Gaga. <laughs> and she would stop and look at him attentively, as though in that idiot's barking she found an answer to her thoughts, and probably he attracted her in the same way as Stefan's abuse. At home, some piece of news would await her, such as such, for instance, as that the geese from the village had ruined our cabbage in the garden, or that Larian had stolen the reins, and shrugging her shoulders, would she would say with a laugh, What do you expect of these people? She was indignant and there was rancor in her heart. And meanwhile, I was growing used to the peasants and I felt more and more drawn to them. For the most part, they were nervous, irritable, downtrodden people. They were poor. They were people whose imagination had been stifled, ignorant, with a poor, dingy outlook on life, whose thoughts were ever the same, of the grey earth, of grey days, of black bread, people who cheated, but like birds hiding nothing but their heads behind the tree, people who could not count. They would... They would not come to mow for us for 20 rubles, but they came for half a pail of vodka, though for 20 rubles, they could have bought four pails. And so, yeah, he's, he's definitely gets to experience the, the peasant life. He dives into the uh, manual labor of painting and so in this case uh, of kind of the agricultural farm life and yeah, grows to appreciate them, respect them more and I think he he finds some insights into into life and to living that he would not have gained elsewhere. And there's this kind of back and forth because he he goes into it, then he sort of becomes slightly aristocratic again, then he goes back in and he, he has this kind of wavering back and forth between these two worlds. So what about it? What about the, the misery and suffering is it that can perhaps draw someone to gain insights into life and that will be useful for them so maybe it's the individual individuality that of it and this is where you can look at the Tolstoy quote from I believe it's from Anna Karina I hate that last that name Anna Karenina Anna Karina and where the roughly summarizing the quote it's you know every Every happy family is is happy in the same way, but every um, sad family or every depressed family is um, unique in its in its suffering. And I think there's something to that. I think each person who who suffers they they suffer in their own particular way, in their own individual way. And there is perhaps uh, a learning that can be gained from this individual nature, um, which has a, a commonness of theme. You know, everyone understands what suffering means, but if you all do it in your individual way, then you can find some insights that perhaps other people might not be able to get and that apply to you particularly. Another question, um, another point in this would maybe be the alone time. So when you are suffering, it's typically not a, a thing that you do with other people. You don't rarely, if you have this, uh, if you're depressed or something, you don't go and hang around with other people it's kind of like a self-drawing in mechanism and i think that that could also be the the reason because when you're with other people well you're not thinking introspecting deeply you're typically in conversation and your your mind is in a different mind state i think so i think there is something related to 
the being suffering and on your own and then this can draw out perhaps some insights which you would not have got with other people because you know other people influence you and steer your thoughts in different directions or conversation goes this way whereas if you were alone maybe it would you would have taken the left path instead of the right something like that just to finish off this section another example of this i think which is stayed in my mind uh, quite quite heavily considering that I don't believe the book itself was an, an amazing book, which was The Portrait of a Lady by Henry James. And there was one particular scene quite near the start of the book, really, where the young man, Ralph Touche, who had been suffering for a long time, he was a very sick, uh, relatively young man, I believe he's in, in his 20s, maybe early 30s. And he had spent a lot of time suffering this this illness of him kind of had robbed him of the ability to to have a normal life to be able to travel whenever he wanted you know he had to stay in certain locations and be in very certain conditions when the winter came around otherwise his pneumonia i believe it was would would kind of end him and he's talking to the the lady who um who who comes in I've, i've forgotten her name the the portrait of a lady, <laughs> that lady. And uh, she's, she's asking him about the house and, and uh, in particular they're using kind of a metaphor of a ghost. And she's saying like, I, I want to see the ghost of the house. And, and, he's, and he says, well, you can't, you can't really see it. It's, it's not meant for ones like you who, who have yet to suffer and who hopefully never will suffer. And you, you don't, you don't want to see it. There, there is an understanding and a, an insight you can get. So this is kind of the, the metaphor of the ghost. You, he can see it, whereas she can't because he has suffered extremely. Yet the price you pay for it is, uh, is it worth it? Um, and for him, it's, it's more inclined to be, I mean, I'm, I don't think he really has any judgments on whether it's worth it or not in that sense, but he definitely th- thinks that there is a... A, an understanding, a learning that can come from suffering. And uh, I, I agree with that. I think there's something to that. So yes, those are the, the two themes that we have from today. What are some of my own observations and takeaways? Well, this was one of the ones where I, I really enjoyed one of the stories in particular. So this was my life. So with uh, Misail Polosnev. And I just saw so much of myself in him. And it's it's kind of bad in a way because I see <laughs> I see the bad things. <laughs> so with Bolovsnev, um, there was uh, I've I've talked previously on the Mere Mortals podcast, um, and in fact, just the other day about the and it's getting released after this, so um, the link with will be contained within. And the I was talking about principles, and I think there's something about doing a kind of like hard manual labor, something that'll keep you in touch with reality and and. And uh, there's a physicality that'll kind of stop you from, it'll, it'll lead you to greater truths and keep you further away from going insane slash um, creating unrealities or distorted realities in your mind. And this is exactly what Polosnev does in the book. He, he purposefully goes out and finds a hard physical labor, something which keeps him grounded in reality so he's not living in this world of aristocratic bullshit where he thinks, you know, he's better than other people or 
that he's worthy of this position of of luxury and power when you know he never did anything really to deserve it nor did his father the architect who is just an kind of insipid creature who is unimaginative and creates all of these woeful designs yet he uh, somehow is is looked at as like wow it's the architect he's you know part of the part of the um kind of royalty type of um of image yet there's also the so i i kind of connected with him on that and then i also just saw like the negative things he marries this girl uh, masha i believe her name was and he's just overly pleasing for her he tries to go too hard he goes to too extreme lengths to to please her and this this is something i do as well which is uh, i I, it's a detriment i i i try to make other people too comfortable too please you know i don't i dislike conflict and um i believe this is sort of what he was doing as well like he just wants everything to be good there's this great scene where she comes into the house and she's like oh the 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 windows are are shut like it's such a shame that the windows were shut and he goes oh you know i'm so sorry i I did it to keep the cold out and so then goes and opens all the windows and then they talk for you know two pages of conversation and then she's like oh it's such a shame that you left the windows open like the cold's coming in (laughs) and it's just just like oh god that's uh, and so then he subsequently goes and closes them it's just like god damn it man that's can't, can't you see what's happening here? Um, and that's that's a trap that I fall into as well. He's uh, kind of hypocritical in many ways. So even though he's he's kind of on this path of of experiencing what they the peasants or like the lower class feel, and he does this through this hard manual labor, he he really only wants to do it as a painter. And when there's an equivalent of doing it as a an agriculturist, so this is kind of tending the fields, plow, using the plow, uh, getting your hands like real dirty and, 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 and whatnot. He views that as not as the same, uh, even though it kind of is, he, he, he kind of has this disgust for that version of it. Whereas his version is kind of a little bit more, more pure. And I, I, I think that's, uh, I've, I've seen things like that in me as well, where I'll, 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 go down one path intentionally to to kind of distance myself from another mother another path and uh, an example of this would be for me the like leaving the the nine day kind of nine day uh, sorry nine hour work day uh, five days a week job type type thing um to to go pursue something f- on my own or for myself and yet um I have had just things in the in the past where it's it's like oh but it's only if I do it this way where it's it's the correct way. It's just just those little things where you feel like you're going on the right path and then you create some sort of arbitrary distinction between you and something that's almost exactly the same and your one is the better one and that one is like well oh, no that's 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 uh, a silly way of doing it or that's wrong. Um I saw that of of myself and him and you know he's he's a good guy overall you look at all the things that he does and he's he he's not trying to hurt anyone he i think he makes correct decisions for the most part he seems to be an upstanding young man like and 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 whatnot but he's still 
there's still like a he he kind of like accidentally hurts other people you know he accidentally hurts his his father and his sister by not uh keeping this image of the aristocracy he accidentally hurts this other lady who's kind of in love with him um by n- never showing any signs of reciprocating her love or even kind of distancing himself um from from her so she could have the capacity to love another um this is right at the end that's not a big part of the story you know when his sister dies he takes care of her kid and whatnot so it's he's a good guy but he just he, he makes mistakes and uh I, I just see myself a lot a lot of myself in him so yeah that's fun <laughs> related to a book about suffering and <laughs> and whatnot um there was a couple of really nice passages in this work. So just getting onto the actual style and writing of, of Chekhov. They're funny, insightful, uh, differing topics. I won't read them out. I'll save that for the end of month um, book recap and I'll, I'll read some of them out there. But yeah, definitely some really nice turns of phrases, which I which I, I highly um, enjoyed. So his the, the, the way of Russian writing and the translation from Russian into English um, well, obviously worked well and uh, makes me a little bit sad that I don't know Russian because I, I definitely think I'm missing out on some some phrasing, some something that would be even more beautiful in the Russian and is is quite nice in English. But, you know, there's always that little distorting factor and sometimes a big distorting factor between languages. The last random thing I had was I just noticed that there was this lack of kind of politeness offhand politeness is how i would call it so none of the characters ever said things like g'day or how are you going or had any sort of just kind of offhand casual acknowledgement of other people and this is also something that you you hear typically of of the russian and i guess maybe even just the eastern european character which is they're very serious. There's a lot of like seriousness and kind of a coldness and a distance between between them. And if you're meeting someone for the first time, you know, I'm I'm always really friendly with people I meet out at the calisthenics park and uh, just in general everyday life. Like I kind of want to be happy and friendly with them from the get go. And yet you don't see this in any of the interactions between characters when they're meeting for the first time. It's always if there is a politeness there, it's this kind of very serious um, kind of rules-based politeness of like, oh, um, this guy is this level of the aristocracy. I'm going to say this to him. And yeah, there's uh, even between kind of the peasant characters, I always felt there was never a, a genuine, uh, not, not, it doesn't need to be genuine, but just a like, a showing of warmth. It could be even like a half-hearted warmth. That's kind of what a, like a good day is. I'm not, or how are you going? Like I, I'm not, I don't really want to know how exactly they're going. It's just a way of me kind of to introduce and, and show some warmth and, and go like, oh, how are you? You know, like what's what's up? Um, acknowledging them as a person perhaps is the way of doing it. And you just don't see that. You do not see it. It's very serious or it's dispassionate. Um, and so that's just a, an observation that I, I took away from this. So in summary, it's a Russian author. So, you know, there's going to be some suffering and also some wisdom and uh, sprouting from from the book. So suffering and wisdom is what you can find within here. It's very nice writing with deep yet playful scenery and, and characters. There's 
just uh, turns of phrases which I think are, are highly enjoyable just to read on in their own right. Uh, that being said, I do prefer the longer stories and, and gain insights from them. So of, of the seven that were contained within here, I definitely preferred the three larger novellas. So this was Ward Number 6, My Life and Peasants. And yeah, with the other little short stories, they're fine, but I'm, I'm never going to take anything great from them. And even just collections of things like this, uh, it, I would have preferred a whole book written about my life, for example, rather than numerous short stories. So it's just not my favorite format of book. So overall, I'm going to give Great Stories by Chekhov, by Anton Chekhov, <laughs> a six and a half out of 10. It's a decent read and uh, it'll introduce you to some Russian literature if you have not read any before. And I would highly recommend starting off something with a book like this rather than uh, doing like what I did and starting with, off with uh, Tolstoy and War and Peace or Anna Karina or, or Dostoyevsky. Like the, those, those can be pretty, <laughs> pretty large, chunky books, whereas this one's a, a much more manageable read. So that's it for today, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on Chekhov, on his short stories, on misery, on gaining understanding or cognizance from misery? I would love to know all of these things. The best way to do that is via a Boostergram. So, Boostergram is a payment of Satoshis. You can choose whatever amount that you want to send in and you can do that directly into your podcast app. So, whilst you're listening to this and if something pops up, all you have to do is hit the boost button, write a message and it will come directly through to me. And I will read those out on the end of month book recaps, respond to them and thank you so much for your support. This is a value for value podcast. I can only do this with your support. So there's many ways you can do that. You can share it with other people. You can give me book recommendations. Uh, you can highlight any inconsistencies or things that I've gotten wrong. And you can also send through a monetary payment of Satoshi. So that is Bitcoin in the podcast app that you're listening to. If you go to newpodcastapps.com and choose one of the ones from there, uh, I would always recommend one like Fountain or Castomatic or Podverse. They're very simple to set up and you can get uh, boosting really quickly and supporting the show, which is always very much appreciated. So I really do hope you're having a fantastic non-cold day, non-misery filled day, wherever you are in the world, hopefully not in Siberia. Chiron out. <laughs>